This is Taking Care in Business, a podcast that dives into the topic of corporate social responsibility from many different perspectives. Host Kathy Pedrotti Hayes is an expert in CSR and philanthropic giving, and her co-host, Vicki Bolson, is the founder and CEO of Bolson Group, a unified marketing company that was also the first B Corp certified company in Indiana. Kathy and Vicki became friends and equally passionate about CSR when they first worked together several years ago. Join them as they talk about why it is always worthwhile to take care in business. This season's podcast is brought to you by Sexton's Creek Productions, an independent design agency offering video production, audio production, web development, digital media design, and much more. They believe in pushing creative boundaries to achieve excellence and taking a unique, collaborative approach to every project. They believe brand equals reputation, and that businesses with the best brands are those who develop a bond of trust and shared values with their audience. It can be a real struggle for businesses to gain the trust of their audience when they can't represent themselves accurately or consistently. That's why Sexton's Creek Productions was created, to help businesses communicate in an authentic and consistent manner. Learn more about building trust with an audience by visiting sextonscreekproductions.com. Hey, Kathy. Hey, Vicki. I'm super excited about what we're doing today. I know. It's kind of fun. It's kind of different. It is. We're sitting in a different studio than we typically are because the wonderful Sexton's Creek, who is our last season sponsor, right? they um, they helped us with our first ever live remote taping. I know. And it was wild. We did it <laughs> at Newfields, which Newfields is sort of the new name for the Indianapolis Museum of Art. And it was during the Indie Shorts Festival, which is part of Heartland Film Festival. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, um, it, of course, it's like the most beautiful place. It's gorgeous out there. Yeah. And it was a special evening. It was. It was really cool. It's only the second year that um, Heartland has done the Indie Shorts Film Festival. And I, I think they're on to something just because, I mean, you think about it, how people are being served up content in these smaller, you know, on Instagram, YouTube videos. And so uh, Craig Prater, their executive director, really feels like a short film festival is was needed in the Midwest. And so um, it's just its second year, but I was so impressed. I was so impressed. I was impressed with just the caliber of the people that were there talking Mm -hmm. to the excitement um, everybody was very favorable about the festival too, mm-hmm. which was really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and just the overall energy I, I felt like was really great. It was hard to hear though. I know, I know. So we, we were asked, this is for our listeners to tape our podcast from there. And we thought this will be really interesting to get <laughs> the perspective of those in attendance, filmmakers. And, um, I think there were people that work behind the scenes in the film industry, um, in jobs I didn't even know existed for yeah. some of the people we talked to. And, uh, and so what we're, what we're going to do with this episode, which is our first ever bonus episode, bonus, bonus episode is, uh, just kind of talk about the film industry and what's happening with social impact yeah. there, you know? Um, so we've never done this before, so, um, we're excited and we're grateful for Evan, our <laughs> fill-in producer for our usual Matt Sosi, and very thankful to Sexton's Creek for, um, for, for making this possible. Yeah. So our listeners will have to let us know what they think of this bonus material. Yes, definitely. Send us emails or 
post on Instagram if you like it, whatever. Communicate with us so we can know if we should keep doing them. I love talking to Leanna Bonamici. She was a producer that we got to meet, and um, we'll, we'll hear her clip in a minute. Mm-hmm. But I thought it was very interesting after we had an opportunity to talk to her about sort of diversity and inclusion in the film industry. And I actually pulled up some information from the Annenberg Inclusion Initiative Report. And um, it was interesting to note that of 1,584 directors, writers, and producers in 2017, not that long ago, 81.7% were male and 182 were female. Mm. And of those, only 7.3% were women directors. Wow. And um, this, this study has gone on over 11 years, and only 43 women had the opportunity to um, produce top-grossing films. Um, so that was really interesting and kind of taking the inclusion and diversity, breaking it down a little bit more than that. Um, out of the 109 directors of top grossing films, again, in 2017, 5.5% were black and only one was a woman. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Whoa. Um, and is this... Um Feature length films, like, does it talk about if it doesn't? It's... I think I think they are because it talks about like top grossing films. So I believe they're probably oh okay you top know, grossing films. right. Yeah, yeah. And then um, Asian American directors were nearly non-existent. Wow. With only four in 2017, and only three Asian American women directed movies over the time spanned by the study. So in 11 years. Wow. Isn't that crazy? That, that really. It really does seem is. like, hello, wake up. <laughs> wake up, LA. Come mm-hmm. on. Yeah. So um, tell us a little bit about what social responsibility me- means to you. Well, <clears throat> sort of the backstory is I'm um, the founder and president of uh, uh, the Palm Springs chapter of Women in Film and Television. Okay. I also now sit on the board of Women in Film and Television International. And we launched a program over this last year called 10% for 50-50. So if a production, whether it's a short film, feature film, or whatever, video even, if, if a production, we reach out to companies that provide services to uh, the industry and to the productions. So if a production comes to, say, a post-production house or a lighting and grip um, for services to rent things or to use their services. And that company supports the 10% to 50-50. That company and that production offers uh, proof they have a 50-50 gender-balanced crew. That company will give them a 10% incentive. Wow. That's so that's something we just launched this year. We have over 30 companies, mostly in Europe. Uh, we're just now reaching out throughout the United States. Um, to start bringing this about, so it's a it's it's not it's a little thing, but it's a place to start and it's raise some invent you know and keep people uh, engaged in what can they do. And all of the companies that we've gotten on board so far have been thrilled to be a part of it and thrilled to be able to say, yeah, we support it, man. We're here. That's really have cool. you have you noticed that there's a growing trend in the film industry for people to incorporate different social impact? I, I do. I absolutely do. Especially in the last three years, I believe there's just a, a, a better consciousness for it. I, I just 
I feel it, I see it, and I see it in the people that we talk to all over the globe, all throughout the United States. In all of our chapters, we're seeing it. And the women are getting together and saying, you know, it's not just um, that you know, men are bad or any of that. I mean, there's a whole lot of stuff that women need to learn as well. And if I have a, I have a story, if I, if it's okay to say it, sure. um, the gal who ran Louisiana, Louisiana women in film told us a story about a producer who came to her and said, I've got a million dollar budget. I want a female director. Get me one that's produced a million dollar budget. So she reached out to a few of her um, people that she knew. One gal had produced a $900,000 feature and didn't feel qualified. And my foster syndrome. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. So my friend said yeah. to her, are you kidding? There, you know, there's a guy over there that produced a $5,000 short film. He's going to apply because that's a mindset. So she did eventually apply and she did actually get the job. Film never happened. But the bottom line was that's a mindset yes. a lot of us women have to overcome. Well, and Just, I kind of said in jest imposter syndrome, but I mean, that's a real thing. And it's yes. a real thing with women in business, for sure. Yes. Yeah. So I'm, you know, it's, we have to also step out there and go, you know what? Yes, I can. Yes. Yes, we can do it. And there's support for us and we can, we can go do it. Do you feel like, uh, it sounds like you feel like there's been a big change. What do you? Uh, Not big. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I put words there's in your movement. mouth. Right. There's movement. A, there's a movement. movement. Yes. What do you think five or 10, 20 years will look like? Wow, that's a good question. I think that we're going to see significant change actually in five to 10 years. I think we'll see significant change uh, on both aspects of the, uh, the opening of the mindset to hire more women, but also the expansion of the women self confidence to go after the job i think we'll see a big difference that's good yeah. good to be a part of that right that's right great. do you think that the younger generation uh, looks at it differently than uh, maybe the baby boomer gen x generation i do but i don't know if that's good or bad um i don't know um it's it's different it's, it's okay. A you can say yeah. I have some thoughts about what you're thinking. <laughs> I, I, you know, there's a lot of um, entitlement. In, uh, that was the word, <laughs> entitlement. There's a different work ethic um, uh, from a baby boomer generation to uh, '80s, '90s, 2000 um, kids growing up, and and I think that there's some transition and some education that needs to happen there. Mm -hmm. I really do. Mm -hmm maybe level setting, expectation setting. Yeah. Yeah. Get a skill. Well, Actually learn how to do the job. Yeah, and it's it's because it is so interesting that, you know, millennials are going to be the workforce. So yeah. it is almost level setting on both sides. Mm -hmm. I know it's not a popular thing to say with our little group here, but it's really true. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 So. No, but I think that's one reason why we do the podcast is because of the fact that half the workforce is of millennials and so companies have to adjust in order to accommodate the entitlement if that's what we're going to call it yeah or their expectations or yeah i yeah. saw actually a very funny short film on it it's like you know millennials going i'm gonna have to actually go get a job <laughs> <laughs>
Okay, we're going to hear a clip from uh, Christina Linhart and her partner, John DeBona, who um, also were at the film festival with the, with the film. But um, they said something really interesting about the importance of um, involving shareholders and all their decisions that that are made absolutely and i i think it's interesting to note that so often people just default to that corporate social responsibility being giving it's not it's how you do business so i was really interested to hear what she had to say social responsibility corporate social responsibility social impact do any of those terms resonate with you they do what does it mean to you well, you mean in conjunction with film or just in general? In general, in general. And, and, and definitely in conjunction with film. Yeah. Well, corporations have a lot of influence. I, I, I believe everybody should vote in our elections, but I also think it's very important how we vote if we are shareholders in corporations because that can make a change within the corporation. For example, I heard the story about Forever 21, when their shareholders didn't want them to use sweatshop labor anymore. Mm -hmm. And because the shareholders voted for that, they changed their policy. So I think that a lot of world politics comes through the corporations. So when the corporations do the right thing, like pay a decent wage and have benefits for their workers, it's more important even than legislation. Well, I definitely think the topic of your movie would be better accepted today than years, 40, 50 years ago, right? And that's, that's to me, a, a social impact. You know, you're making a social impact by telling this important story. Right. No, absolutely. I mean, this film was, you know, it's more than just a openly gay uh, performer from back in the uh, 60s, 70s, and 80s. It's, uh, it's more than that. It's, uh, it was a documentary about, and, and actually I took this from the standpoint of, of how we edited this, is if you love music, you'll love Troy Walker. And, and I, that was kind of how I looked at this. That's how I viewed this. That's how I edited this. That's how I shot everything too. And, and from a camera point of view, there's nothing more fun if you love live music than to be this close as we are sitting right now to your subject on stage and you can feel his breath you can feel the energy and and that's what makes made making this so much fun with troy uh he's he's incredible he's flamboyant but as christina said before everybody loves him it doesn't matter who you are if you love music you'll love troy walker mm -hmm. and therefore equality and also what is interesting if you talk about corporations um, John edited it, and we edited it entirely on iMovie. And Apple gives away iMovie. It's not um, an editing software that you have to pay for. So by uh, That's cool. getting iMovie for free on our, we were able to make this documentary that we had no idea it was gonna go this far. Wow, wow, that's great. Are, have, you, um, is this, are, have you both been in the film industry for a long, long time? Um, I've, I'm predominantly a singer and a dancer, but I did make one documentary a couple years ago called Guantanamo Circus because I went to Guantanamo Bay with the circus back in 2006. Oh, wow. And so that recently got picked up by Amazon Prime. But that was my first documentary that I ever ah. made. Mm -hmm. uh, for me, this is uh, my first experience as a filmmaker. I worked for nine years in the camera department, uh, so in film and television. And I worked in camera rentals. I worked as a second assistant uh, camera. 
uh, for a number of years doing that freelance as well. Uh, worked for a number of different companies in Hollywood. And this really was a labor of love. We, we just received a beautiful review by Richard Probst, and he kept talking about how this was a labor of love, and that's why we did it. We didn't have an intention. Like I said, it was on iMovie for free. We didn't have the intention of getting into film festivals, but we did it because we love Troy, and everybody else loved Troy, too, because of his spirit and his joie de vivre. So will you guys do it again? Another documentary? Yeah. I think so. First, we have to ride this wave because this is the premiere. Last night yeah. was the world premiere. We just finished it, and here it is. So, and I mean, really, it's uh, and and like a, and like Christina said too. It's uh, when we made this, you know, our intention of making this was something for Troy, something for his fans, for his family, and you know, no special effects, nothing too fancy about this. Was shot on iMovie, and. And it wasn't until we were finished that uh, a number of our uh, friends that are that are connected in the industry took a look at it and they said to us, you know, I hope that you've entered into at least a few festivals to see, you know, who else might be interested in this. And uh, we, it never really crossed our minds. And, and fortunately, Heartland uh, found us. And we're incredibly grateful for everything that this film festival has done for us. You know, what I find um, to be interesting is that since you shot it on iMovie and we're talking about social responsibility and social impact and millennials are the most vocal about this right now, mm -hmm. that this is hope for them to be able to film a movie on iMovie, tell important stories just like you did. Yeah, so. you can do it DIY. And yeah. that, that I would think is part of corporate responsibility with, you know, Apple giving the tools to us right. so that we have, so you don't have to come from a wealthy family or be lucky enough to attract investors or grants that it, to even out the playing field so that all of us can do right. it. Well, that's what it seems like. It, it will potentially change how people tell their stories and also the future of filmmaking, right? Right. Exactly. Okay. Our next guest, Kathy, that we're going to have a clip from this was wild. So I live up in the Fishers area, mm -hmm. as you know, in Indianapolis, and there have been these um, signs in the yards for the school board election. Sure. And I kept seeing this one, um, and I was like, I love it that we have somebody of diversity running for school board, sure. you know, uh, and his name was is Singh. And suddenly Singh is sitting next to us I know. to tape the podcast. I know, and I didn't even <laughs> recognize him from... The posters, I have to say, I just, it was a disconnect until he said that. But uh, yeah. what was so interesting about this clip that we're going to play and, and really the, the film itself was, um, first off, the was it producer-director was so young. Mm -hmm. You know, she was a student in college. And, um, you know, it's it really, they talk a little bit about how film can actually um, help form social movements, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. And impact law, which is what happened here. Or not law, but policy. Right, yeah. right. Yes, and he ultimately went on to win the um, Rosa Parks Award, yeah. the Trailblazer Award. Right. So super fascinating stuff. And I was really moved by the relationship between the young girl and, yes. and Singh. And what is her name? Her we need to name say her is name. Jenna Ruiz. Yes. Jenna Ruiz. Uh, the Singh movie, this is based on a true incident with my life. 
And uh, at the airport, you know, they, I was flying from uh, Sacramento, uh, from Buffalo to Sacramento, and they asked me to remove my turban, even though I didn't set off any alarm. And they, and they said, you know, I, I requested them because I cannot, you know, because of one of the article of faith. And then this is a new policy. Everybody has to take off headgear regardless whether they set off their alarm or not. So I refused to go, you know, board because they refused my clearance with, with the turban. So then I went all the way to U.S. Congress after getting 67,000 petitions. Wow. And then uh, on the request of U.S. Congress, TSA changed the policy. So, yeah. and that was, so I stood not for my turban or a Sikh turban. I stood for everybody who believes in religious liberty and freedom of faith. Yes, and in the film, he is trying to fly to go see his mother, who's in her last dying days in India. So he has to kind of make the choice between um, if he's going to remove his turban, so his religious beliefs, or uh, boarding the flight to go to see his mother. So he kind of has to choose between the two in the film. Wow. And you're from crazy. Indiana, right? Yeah, I was so, born and raised in India, and then I've been living in the U.S. for 25 years. I live in Fishers. Oh, oh me too. Wow. Yeah, all right. I, yeah. just, I just recently ran for city council. Oh. I did too. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so now, are you related to him? No. no so I live in Avon. Um, I have been in the film industry since I was nine. Um, I started acting when I was nine years old. And then um, when I was 13 years old, I started doing my own production. So I just got small crews together and started like making my own films. Um, entered the 48-hour film festival, things like that. Um, and then I started working as like a freelance media producer. So I would do like commercials for people. I would do like videos for people. Um, and I actually met him at the Heartland Cultural Trail. So I was the photographer on the red carpet for the Cultural Trail, which was India that year. So he was there. Um, he approached me and he was like, hey, do you make videos as well? And I was like, yes, I do. So I did an interview with him and I started working for him um, and making weekly update videos for a political action committee that he had. So I would do weekly updates and work with him and do commercials and things like that. Um, and after that, he told me this story. And I was like, well, why have you never thought to make a film out of the story? Because it's a really unique and interesting story. Um, and he was like, no, I never thought about that. So we got a crew together and me and my mom started pre-production. Uh, my mom works for him too now. But we started pre-production and put together the crew and kind of just, it went from there and we made the film. So. I met him, started working for him, and then he told me the story, and we decided we needed to make a film. Oh, this is such a great that story. Is such a great story. And yeah. especially because I don't know if they told you, but this podcast is about corporate social responsibility, social impact. Awesome. Yeah. So wow. here we have right. such a social cause that you suggested a millennial. Oh, yes. <laughs> that he, you know, yeah. and you tell have a no, story. You have no clue. This with this uh, movie. Thousands of people got inspired because uh, um, after this movie was we were in production. It was in production, and then um, uh, based on that incident, they came to know through that story that I was I'm the recipient of 2019th Rosa Parks Trailblazer Award. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Absolutely. Yeah. Unbelievable. So I'm so honored and humbled to accept that one. Now, are you living in Indiana? Yes. Okay. So I live in Avon. Um, I go to IEPY downtown. Okay. So, Great. Yeah, I, I commute every day. I still live at home because I just want to save money. But yeah, I go to IEPY downtown. So do you have a, a desire to make films that are about social causes? Yes, 100%. As soon as I heard this story, I knew that I was looking. 
I've always been looking for a story to tell, and I don't want to just do a film and have it be a great film, but with no underlying connections or story. And when I heard this, I felt like it was something that we could really like dive deep down into. And we had, um, before it was released, we had one of our friends watch it, uh, one of his friends watch it, and understand the layers of the film because we really wanted it to be like, you want to watch the film more than once. You don't want to just watch it once, get the surface information, and be like, done with it. We wanted to do something where you realize things after you're done with the film that you wouldn't have picked up on in the beginning of the film. So right. we wanted to do things where it was more like um, had layers to it and people would want to watch it more than once to kind of break down what was what was going on with the people around him, what was going on with the setting, because um, there's some some things that people might not pick up on. We tried to make them a little more obvious, but I think after the film is over, people will realize like, oh, that's what they were like alluding to at the beginning. So. Yeah, well, so I can't wait to see it. Telling a story is something that I'm I really, cannot really wait to about. see it. And luckily, I've... we both are very passionate. Whatever we do, we do with full passion. Yeah. So I loved speaking to um, Nicholas Snow. Uh -huh. He was so fun. So Nicholas Snow came up to us before everything started. Oh yeah, I remember him now. And um, he is. He has a. a TV show, I guess he's known as Promo Homo TV, mm -hmm. and he really, I think, um, is sort of the essence of activism in using film or TV or communications and has been at it for a long time, and that was so fun to get to talk with him um, because we did sort of the dual podcasting thing, <laughs> which was fun. That was really hilarious. I was so confused because we were doing our first ever <laughs> live remote podcast, and then he's got somebody taping him being taped by us. <laughs> right, right. Oh, yeah. it was so goofy. Yeah, but he, I just think he really has, um, he spoke from the heart and had a lot to say about mm -hmm. how um, TV can really help inform and improve activism. Mm -hmm. Hey everybody, Nicholas Snow here on Promo Homo TV, and we're simulcasting with Vicki and Kathy. Vicki is head of the Bolson Group, a very well-known uh, national marketing firm, and Taking Care in Business is a fantastic podcast, and I'm honored to be here. We're on location at a VIP party hosted by the Bolson Group. And uh, this is Promo Homo TV, but now I'm turning it over to them because I'm going to be a guest on their show. Hey. 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 <laughs> it's so great to have you and to talk with you. It's great to be here. And I think your show is so cool, focusing on social consciousness and raising consciousness and making a difference and instilling that in, in business. What could be better than that? Well, we agree. We agree. We agree. Yes. And so we'd like to ask you a question. What does corporate responsibility mean to you? Well, you know, uh, my sort of personal mission statement is to honor and express my creativity in a way that makes a difference. And this was instilled in me in the early 80s when friends of mine were dying of AIDS. My good friend committed suicide. My great-grandmother died. And I realized the importance of, um, of living my life and expressing my truth and my voice. I realized my voice and my life force was my biggest commodity. And that put me onto a path of activism and creating change. Um, and ultimately, in that process, I actually um, 
wanted to find a way to make my living in a way that also created a, a difference in the world. So I looked up two definitions in a dictionary, entrepreneur and activism, and I came up with the definition entrepreneurial activism, which is assuming the risk of a business venture for the purpose of creating political, social, and economic force in service to a cause. I love that. <laughs> and and what I think what I think is beautiful about what you're doing is that ultimately, whether they know it or not, I think that that's what most people desire. They want to be they want to be professional. They want to earn an income. But I think fundamentally, everyone wants to make a difference in the world, and that's where happiness comes from. Right. I think that back in the early '80s, when you had this desire. It wasn't that no. foreign. It's just that now people are really talking about it. You know, it's, it's the, the, we find that, especially because millennials are more than 50% of the workforce, that uh, it's, it's just more common. It's, it's talked about more, but I don't think I felt any different when I was entering the workforce in the 80s. I wanted to work for a place that made a difference. Yeah. No one talked about it then though. Right. Right, and, and thank goodness people are talking about it. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> Provo Homo TV is, practices entrepreneurial activism, and uh, uh, I am the Promo Homo, so I'm positioning it as a network with um, a variety of programs, and uh, the fundamental core value and purpose of my programming and my journalism is connecting the circuitry of humanity. And even though on the surface it appears that I'm targeting LGBT issues, which I do, I, tar I target broad issues, film festivals, travel, entertainment, marketing, uh, lifestyle. Um, I am uh, 18 years in a 12-step recovery program, and I like to cover uh, issues important to people that are struggling with uh, alcoholism or addiction. Across the board, I will cover it. And um, I love what I do. It's, it's very, very exciting. So I hope people enjoyed these two bonus episodes. Yeah, and let us know, really, because yeah. it was really super fun. So I'm sort of hoping people like them so we get to do another one sometime. Yeah, it, they're, they're different because we have to do a little more work, yeah. you know, because we can't just run the great interviews we have yeah. with people. We need to be thoughtful about all that we talked about and sort of weave them together yeah, and them so together a little bit yeah so hopefully we we did a decent job of that um we'll get better as we do this in the future um but we do want to thank our season sponsor that we had last season and for these two bonus episodes sextons creek yeah they are amazing yeah it's been super super fun um great people to work with and um, we've got great guests coming up in our next season. Some yeah. really, really super fun ones. Um, I, I just, I don't know about you, but I remember when we first started doing the podcast, I felt so nervous. I did too, yeah. I you know, I, I think because I really don't like talking in front of groups of people right. or anything like that. And I thought if I, it, first of all, if it was a camera, I would, no way. There's no way I would I do this. We went on TV together one time. Do you yeah, remember that? Yeah, we did. We did. And <laughs> I think we both were like, ah! I know. <laughs> but this is just, it's just, I know. you know, we just, that's sometimes, you know, we um, 
get off track or or I stumble because that's how I talk. But I just feel so comfortable doing this with you and I have so much fun. I know. I do too. I always look forward to that. And it's kind of funny, not really funny. Sorry that I said that, but, um, when we have guests that are nervous, cause it's, I think once we start, they're like, Oh, this is fine. We're just here talking. But I so get that they're nervous because that's how I would have, I would be if I were a guest on somebody else's podcast, I think. So, so anyway, join us for our next season. Yes. Stay tuned. Tune in. Download us. Do all that stuff you're supposed to do with podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> you can visit the Taking Care in Business website at takingcareinbusiness.com. Or just visit us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook at Taking Care in Biz. That's Taking Care in B-I-Z. If you have questions or comments, you can email us at any time at info at takingcareinbusiness.com. Thank you for joining us today, and until next time, take Take care care in business. This season's podcast is brought to you by Sexton's Creek Productions, an independent design agency offering video production, audio production, web development, digital media design, and much more. They believe in pushing creative boundaries to achieve excellence and taking a unique, collaborative approach to every project. They believe brand equals reputation and that businesses with the best brands are those who develop a bond of trust and shared values with their audience. It can be a real struggle for businesses to gain the trust of their audience when they can't represent themselves accurately or consistently. That's why Sexton's Creek Productions was created, to help businesses communicate in an authentic and consistent manner. Learn more about building trust with an audience by visiting sextonscreekproductions.com.